name is Sean Friedrich, I'm the financial director of Cube Workspace, and I'm very lucky to be joined by Gail Ezra, who's a managing director of Empower Funding. Yeah. Someone who is a lot more experienced at social media uh, live feeds than myself, so I'm very thankful for that. You did well, I mean, it seems like everything's working great. This is awesome. Uh, you've also, you, you've been part of Cube's family here in Waterfront for two years. Yeah. Um, you yourself are a, a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. You've been through the process of, of startups. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got to where you are, and maybe you have a journey you can share with us re with regards to your startup. Yeah, sure. So uh, first of all, thank you for having me as the honorary first guest. <laughs> I'm honored. Uh, this is great. And a little bit about me. So first of all, I was born here in Cape Town. And uh, I lived here until I was about six, seven. But then I moved to the States. And then when I was about 19, I moved back here, not by choice, by the way, and I'll explain that in a second and what that whole journey was that you wanted to know about. But uh, that's the accent, is Israeli background, by the way, speak Hebrew at home, that's my first language. But uh, it's a mix between a little bit of American, a little Israeli, and I used to speak Afrikaans when I was little. What a great so, melting pot. <laughs> yeah, it's a melting pot. So I'm actually South African and Israeli, passport-wise. I don't have the American passport yet. <laughs> but, uh, what happened? I just, we never got well being there. And then, so this is the crazy thing. I got here when I was 19 to just renew my visa, thinking I'd be here for 10 days, renew my visa, and back to the US I'll go. And I got here and I got declined the visa. So, okay, declined to go back home. By the way, my parents were there, everyone was there. I just came Same. here alone to do a quick renewal. So we chatted to the immigration lawyers and they said, another month, you'll be here another month, we'll sort it out. It didn't get sorted out, a month became six months, six months became a year. It was three and a half years later before I went home. Yeah. Yeah, so I was stuck here just thinking I'd be here for 10 days, but I knew no one when I got to Cape Town. Didn't want to be here, was living, uh, my grandma luckily lived here, so I was living in my grandma's little flat, driving her car around, just no one, nothing, on my own, figure it out at 19 type thing. That's how it started for me. And uh, within about two years, I had a business that was running well, which was, uh, and, and still is, except for COVID, but it's a festival business. So I have a festival background where we do events called We Love Summer, uh, Festival, Kinky Summer is a New Year's Eve event, and Future Frequency, we have four different major festivals that saw about 40,000 people a year uh, across, I think it was six cities, two, three countries, so. How did you land upon that after being stuck here in South Africa? So that was the thing, is I got here knowing no one, and then how do you go to like, okay, you're running festivals where you always have like no people to like bring them to your festival. So it, it started very organically. Uh, we, I just always liked bringing people together. Even when I was 17, 16, 17, 18, I always liked bringing people together for games, nights, and you know, just my friends. So when I got here, as I would meet one person, another person, another person, I would bring them together for little things, activities, like nothing fancy. I'm just saying like a games night, okay? And then that became, oh, 20 people would show up, 30 people would show up. The cops started to get called. The, exactly, <laughs> the cops started to get called. Like, the neighbors weren't happy. And then one day we did this thing, and 100 people showed up. Okay, and I was like, oh my God, we made it. Like a hundred people came to our get together. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In my mind, I felt like I just did a festival for 5,000 people. 
with those hundred. But it gave me enough of a thing of like, maybe if we really market, it was me and three other guys, if we really, really market for a few months, we'll get 300 people to show up. So we came up with this brand called We Love Summer. And we said, okay, we'll really market and 300 people will show up. And on the day, 900 people showed up. And really the cops shut it down. <laughs> And, but we had 900 people show up. We were like, oh my God. Three weeks later, we did another one. 1,600 people showed up. And so we're like, okay, we have, our marketing machine is working. Our product is, people like it. And that's how the festival business was born. And we just did more and we did Feastival, which is a food festival. And we just, it grew and grew and grew, yes. Um, so yeah, volume is low. Maybe we need to talk louder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll try, well, we'll try and be a bit louder. No problem. <laughs> I can be loud. Uh, so that's that's how the festival business was yeah. essentially started. Yeah. Um, let's just see that that all is perfect. Yeah, that looks good. There we go. That should work. We'll, we'll be a little closer. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. The CDC now said three feet apart is better than six feet. Oh, you okay. can be three feet apart, okay. apparently. So very breaking <laughs> news. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, basically, that's how the festival business okay. was born. Um, the business ran for seven years, no problem. It still exists. It will continue after COVID, of course. And then and I also have a finance business. It's a totally different side of things. Mm -hmm. So I say there's party in the front. Or business in the front, party in the back. It's like a mullet. You got a mullet. I have okay. a mullet. It's business in the front, party in the back. Okay. The, the front is the finance business. We do short-term financing in the property industry. Okay. So that's the journey. Got here, knew no one, started this festival business. It grew, started the finance business, and here we are today. Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, uh, already from what you've told me, I think uh, you're well-versed in what it means to be a startup. You've yeah. done the hard miles. Yeah. Um, and maybe we should, this is about the right time to have a disclaimer to say that, yeah, <laughs> that any advice that you take from this discussion, yeah. take it on your own because we're having a glass of wine and a beer yeah. and uh, just shooting a breeze. Yeah. But um, What okay. we say cannot be used exactly. against us in a court of law. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's get stuck into to the nuts and bolts of what it means to be a startup. Yeah. So, uh, when someone mentions startup, yeah. what does it trigger in your mind? What do you think of when someone says a startup? Yeah, to me a startup is uh, usually the first two, three years of being uh, a business uh, within an early range of income um, where you're still establishing yourself and yeah, where you're still building up your, uh, your income to a certain threshold where you are sustainable and are now expanding beyond the beginning coping. You're, it's taking time to establish yourself okay. as a beginning business. I think in yeah. a nutshell, I think it can be people can hop out of the startup phase relatively quickly, or it can be a startup for a while mm -hmm. because you haven't quite found your feet yet. But uh, I consider it when I think of it, I think of an early phase business mm -hmm. that's still trying to generate enough income to sustain itself okay. and be profitable. So I, I find it interesting your perspective of that because mm -hmm. you've you've been through it. Yeah, I've never been a startup. I've always joined uh, within a, an established company to bring on my skill sets, and you often uh -huh. find that a financial skill set is one of the ones that comes towards the end of a, a, a startup, mm. um, maybe sometimes forgotten. I'll, I'll try and uh, 
big myself up here yeah, a little bit. It's, it's actually the most important. I think a lot of startups get that wrong, that they don't care about the financial side properly from day one. Yeah, early enough. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. problem. I mean, when I think of startup, you, you immediately it triggers images of, uh, of what everyone speaks about, the unicorns, the, mm -hmm. the Airbnbs, the Ubers of this world that um, have become startups largely uh, from a technology or software background, right. and they're either an overnight success or they're an overnight failure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, after thinking about the topic a little bit more and researching it, um, it's more than that. It, it's really, those are the one percenters. Um, yeah. A startup can really be anything. It can be a, a small scale business uh, like you alluded to where, where it becomes sustainable. Um, right. And then often it, it, you decide how far you want to take it. Yeah. Um, and there are startups that, that have few employees and mm -hmm. a lot of customers. Right. Um, and those are the ones that uh, like venture capitals are looking for, mm -hmm. um, uh, and they're more of the dream story. And then there are startups who, who are longer term, uh, family grown businesses, they rely, uh, they provide a service that relies on the more revenue you generate, the more staff you need to provide that service. Yeah. So it's not, uh, it's not a multiple type of business. And I think there is a difference between the two. While some of them uh, face the same challenges, um, I also think that their approach to those challenges differs mm -hmm. depending on what they have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, I do want to highlight again about the finance aspect that, you know, I, funny enough, in the festival business that we had, I also ran the finance, the financial side of things, payments and things like that. And I think with startups, it is, yeah, you can have so many different forms of startups. You can think of it as like the Uber or whatever the case may be, but you can have a business that sells hand cream or I don't know, wax or beeswax, whatever. You, I don't delivery know, service. Delivery service, well, anything, anything yeah. in the beginning phases. And I think one of the biggest challenges uh, or mistakes that startups make is not handling their admin, the admin side correctly, where admin is 80 to 90% of a business's success and it's the least focused on. Most people don't actually handle the admin right, and when a business is eventually successful by luck or by doing it by whatever instinct, they then say, oh, maybe we should bring a finance person. They, you know, they, then they think, oh, maybe we should. But then, oops, they have holes in it that you come in eventually and correct. Yeah. But if you, from day one, handle the finances and the admin right, your successes are monumentally increased, your chances of, just by correctly handling your admin. Absolutely. So you need to be organized. Yeah, I mean, so thinking of one of the biggest challenges um, that I think a lot of people think a startup has um, with regards to funding, a, a big part of that, it's not whether you can sell your idea or your concept, mm -hmm. um, it's whether, and whether that concept is convincing, but a lot of investors see through the, the glitz and glamour, and they wanna know that you know how to run a business. And, yeah. and a big part of that is the admin side of it and knowing uh, the fundamentals behind running your business, not just, I have this great idea, it can make me a lot of money. Right, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know. I had a, I had a great analogy yeah. when, when I was looking at um, beer brewing and a lot of these craft breweries that have popped up in the, in the last five or 10 years, mm -hmm. uh, many years before in the States, 
One of the guys said, if you think you like brewing, change your mind because you better like cleaning. And I think mm -hmm. the, the perception of what a business is and the reality are two different things. Totally. Yeah. The people really just think surface level when it comes to running a business. They don't account for the background work that it takes. Mm -hmm. And how organized you have to be to be successful, I cannot stress it enough. And that's what the cleaning, right, mm -hmm. is the organization sending the emails, making sure your legal basics are in place, making sure that your finances are right, knowing where every cent is going, especially at the beginning, being setting up the foundation that's structurally sound is, look, we have, we think with uh, the percentage of startups that fail is enormous. enormous. Yeah. And a large majority of people don't know why that's why they keep failing, mm -hmm. they knew why they would solve the problem, yeah. right? But you can account for the fact that most people don't want to be organized, most people aren't organized, and most people don't even know how to be organized if they want to. And that is what most people don't do. Yeah. I promise you, the ones that succeed are organized. So almost instead of differentiating yourself from potential competitors, you're differentiating yourself by the fact that you're, you're organized, you're goal-driven, mm -hmm. um, you have everything you need running in the background smoothly. And it's a very difficult yes. process because that's that's something that people learn over many, many years. It's actually not difficult. It's not too difficult yeah. to do. I think that the perception is that it's difficult, but anything is difficult when you don't know. If you don't know how to do something, it's difficult. Like at the beginning to drive sounds difficult. When you know how to do it, it's actually really simple. So it shouldn't be a difficult thing to be organized. You just need to learn. You just need to learn how to do it. Of course, in this platform, we aren't doing a whole lesson right now and being organized, <laughs> you know what I mean? But just knowing that it's having the viewpoint of it's actually simple, I can be organized, and I will be organized, I just need to learn. There's yeah. just something I don't know. Yeah. And eventually I think one of the, um, well maybe one of the opportunities or some, a lesson to be learned as you evolve as a startup and reach, um, say a slightly more mature phase is to have the uh, foresight to know when you're out of your depth. Mm -hmm. So when you know when you're a complete startup and you're having to do everything yourself and juggle all the balls, yeah. um, that's fine. But know when is the point that I can no longer do X, whether it's sales or marketing, because mm -hmm. um, you, you, you need a team around you to mm -hmm. build a startup. Mm -hmm. Unless you're some whiz coder who comes up with some piece of software uh, in your garage but even then, you're going to need people behind you to support you. Yeah. Um, and knowing when, when those skills run out, ultimately you're going to reach the end of a marketing skill set or a finance mm -hmm. skill set um, or any of those. Yeah, exactly. You have two options. Either you learn how to do it or bring somebody who can. Because what happens with most organizations, most startups, the person that's starting the business is very good at one thing. Okay, let's say I'm a dentist. I'm very skilled at being a dentist. So I know how to, how to look in the mouth and I know what to do. But I have no idea how to uh, build, someone. build someone, how to manage the entire treasury department, how to market, how to promote, how to hire, how to fire. I don't know how to, uh, I don't know, check the uh, ordering and the supplies. And I, all I know is how to be a dentist. So then you start a business and even though you're a great dentist, your clinic fails because you don't have all the other parts of the business. So you have to either, like you said, hire people that can do that, 
or quickly train yourself on the other departments and realize that the business actually has seven main divisions and you need to know all seven where most people are good at one. And they're expert dentists, but they don't know anything about the marketing department, as an example. So learn how to market yourself. At least in the startup phase, sometimes you've got to do it all. But you have to know that there's something you've got to learn. Yeah. Or hire where you're, where you're like, I don't know how to market. So quickly get people on your team yeah. that can do all the parts. And I guess the, the catch-22 is that it's great ultimately to know a little bit about everything in your business. Mm -hmm. um, and in that way, you're able to manage those people who are looking after those yeah. aspects of your business. Yeah. But at the same time, if you take it too far, you're ultimately taking away time from what it is that you do really well. And it, yeah. will, it will come back to haunt you. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's, a, it's a tricky balance, right? Because on the one hand, you might fail, and then you can't do it at all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have a clinic, you can't be a dentist at all because you're... Maybe it's, you'll, yeah, it's over. <laughs> maybe you'll go work for someone, and that's different. Then you can work for someone as a dentist. But your dream of having your own clinic is over. Mm. Or at the beginning, it takes a lot, of, a lot of learning and a lot of work and a lot of realizing there are other areas that I need to know about. And you have to understand that there is a difference between the people that fail and you in your business. Because if you don't level up in that, you will find yourself yeah. failing. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, a good, uh, it's a good time. We, we've got a question a bit about um, branding and market penetration. Yes. Uh, as one of the skills within marketing of a startup. Yes, okay, I got it. So I'm just reading this. So uh, food, Food delivery. What can you suggest as an opportunity? So the yeah, the question. What can you suggest as an opportunity slash idea to further penetrate the market and grow brand awareness? Okay, so I can give my idea for sure, but you can go ahead. Hey answer. man, you speaking to a finance okay. guy about marketing? Are you insane? It's all you. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, the basic principle that I use with all the marketing is communication out equals communication in. It's a rule you have to know. Communication out equals communication in. If you want more in, you have to put more out. It just, it works like the night follows day. If you communicate out, you will get in. Not necessarily from the direction that you think you get it. Like I could talk to you about, I could market to you, you could get my brochure, but then that person comes from, where did they come from? It was somehow from That's you. proper brand awareness when someone else passes on the knowledge and you go, but how did you find out about me? Yeah, totally. It's like, what? It, 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 but that is when you communicate out, it comes back in from different directions, but it comes back in. So the first thing to know is communicate out more. And in parallel, don't cripple yourself with needing quality. Most people cripple themselves with, I can't communicate out unless it's a quality piece of marketing unless the brochure is made on high gloss, it's expensive and I can't afford it right now, rather send out 10,000 pieces of marketing, let's just say flyers, okay? 10,000 flyers for now on the basic cheapest paper, on toilet paper, okay? Put out 10,000 pieces of marketing on toilet paper, then 100 on a nice glossy brochure. It just it's a great idea. If you can actually put it on toilet paper, people are definitely going to see it, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> they roll it out. Like, oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> but really, you put it 
put it out there. So to promote that my general idea, I have to understand more about what you do and everything, but the general idea is just promote more. It can be social media, it can be um, expanding the word of mouth among your friends and growing it through that. It can be through brochures, it can be through Google ads, it can be through YouTube ads. There's a million ways of doing it. But first understand, communicate out more, and don't worry about the quality right now. Just pump it up. Yeah. I think that's very relevant if, you, if you're looking at a fast food delivery service. Yeah, Get exactly. those little flyers that, like, they may look cheap, but they're in your mailbox. And yeah. when you're hungry and you get home, mm-hmm. who are you going to go to, right? Exactly. Just cheap. I mean, as long as it gives the details that it should give. I've seen flyers that are terrible. I look at them and I'm like, where do I even call? I just The marketing is just doesn't explain anything to me. Yeah. And I've seen very, very cheap ones. I, I, I one time hired a handyman because he put a little thing in my window windowsill that was super simple. I'm a handyman, here's my number if you need me type thing. And I was like, okay, done. done. It just was so clear. Yeah. He was, he really was, he couldn't afford much. He was really just starting as a handyman. Yeah. But I, I hired him because of this really simple marketing that just gave me the data. Yeah. No, no quality at all. Sure. Yeah. So look, I mean, we, we've, we've chatted about the, the dark side of startups and I guess yeah. the fact that uh, most startups fail. I don't know the statistics. I know it's high. It's very high. Yeah. Um, and one of, the, one of the things I heard, which was a great comment, is, is fail fast. Mm-hmm. Rather than uh, so many, and this actually was within a, a South African context, it was the Wits Business School mm-hmm. um, that had done a study. Mm-hmm. And it said that there's so many startups um, have these great ideas and they take off and they sit in this middle gray zone of mediocrity and, mm-hmm. and are happy with that. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, are, could, could be so much more. Yeah. Um, so it's, I guess, realizing where you need to cut your losses, start again. And, and rebuild, and it's okay to fail um, and, and not to take it personally, I guess. Yeah, you, it's okay to fail, you're playing a game. Uh, you have to be willing to win or lose with the same level of enthusiasm. Like, I won, amazing. I lost, amazing. I'm playing a game. I've learned a lesson, I've learned something from it. Yeah, I learned something, I won, I lost, it's all good. It's, it's just a game, right? At the end of the day, that's, you have to really look at life and as a business, as a game. So you might, fail. I don't know about if I'd like to fail fast. I would rather win quickly than <laughs> win fail quickly. fast. Yeah. I don't know about that. It sounds really good. Fail, fail fast. fast and repeat. Yeah, it's like keep failing fast. I don't know about that. Yeah, hopefully there's a success somewhere along the line. Yeah, exactly. You know, so ideally you want to win, right? That's the idea is to win. But if you fail, it's part of the game. And okay, you that's what you're playing. It's a game. And as long as you play like that, it actually isn't really yeah. So much losing. Yeah. You know, okay. you're right. So I, I, I agree. I think you need to go for it. And I think the main danger zone that a lot of people, a lot of businesses fall into is they stagnate mm-hmm. and they think that the fact that they're stable is actually a good sign. It's an achievement. Yeah, like we're stable. Stability is the biggest red flag. It should be woo, like immediate red lights. If you're stable, it, nothing stays the same in this universe. You, You're the only one stable, which is yeah, not a good thing. Yeah, and by the way, even you, nothing stays the same. This painting, we think tomorrow that it's the same as yesterday. It's gone down. Over time, it's decaying. Everything goes down. Anything that, anything that was the same 
over time goes down. Nothing stays stable. It either goes up or down. And if it didn't improve, it went down that day. So people see in business and in life, look, if your body, if your body is the same as it was yesterday, it's worse than yesterday. It's not better. You're either improving or not. And in business, people think, I'm stable, so this is good. And then they're, they're in that mediocrity zone that you were talking about, and then they fail. When you are stable, you need to immediately know, I need to quickly improve, because if not, I'm, I'm heading actually... Someone else is overtaking. Yeah, or I'm just heading off a cliff. Yeah. I'm not even on the road anymore, but I think I'm driving. You're, if you're stable, you need to quickly bring it up. Quickly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so just thinking about other challenges that um, startups face, it's really, I mean, it's a multitude of things that people need to overcome. Yeah. Not least uh, where we are currently in our economy. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, under normal circumstances, in a first world country, um, a startup is a challenge. Uh, yeah. Anyone doing business in South Africa is already a hero because mm -hmm. you're taking on a much bigger challenge. There's multiple layers of extra stuff as a business you need to deal with. Yeah. And obviously, wherever there's risk, there's, there's opportunity. Yeah. Well, currently, what, what is your view of uh, the economy, where we're going in the next year or so, without taking away next month's conversation? Yes. Um, but I mean, as, as a startup, uh, yeah. you go, well, gee, there's no ways I'm ever going to survive in this environment. No, you, so the general thing is that the economy is going to be terribly disastrous in 2021 or 22. I'm, by the way, the biggest optimist ever. Generally, I'm like very much an optimist. But just looking at the data, there's going to be a major financial disaster coming up. And as long as you know it and you know why it's happening and what to do, you'll be fine. But in general, this whole COVID situation can actually be the best thing that ever happened to you. I, I look at the COVID thing as wonderful, not because of the horrible things that happened with the virus specifically, because people died and it's terrible. And so that aside, but the economic situation or for a business, it can actually be the best thing that ever happened because you have opportunities to overtake everybody else that is busy being, that's like, Head spinning. head spinning from what's going on. If you know what to do, COVID can be the best thing that ever happened to you. You can overtake competition, you can expand rapidly if you know the step to take. And at the same time, being aware of what's going on and what's happening with the economy. There will definitely be challenges ahead. You need to protect yourself in certain ways or maybe protect us in the right way, or but just prepare maybe, just prepare. Yeah. Uh, protect gives me the connotation of I'm scared. So I don't think you need to be fearful and protect, but I think that you need to be just prepared for what's to come. I think the threats of the economy as it is currently are probably more relevant to established businesses mm -hmm. because you either uh, you know, geared yourself hoping for a lot of growth and all of a sudden it disappears and you have no war chest, then you have a problem. Yeah. As a startup, in a way, you have nothing to lose. So there's, there's a lot to be gained uh, famous saying, uh, don't, don't miss a, a good crisis. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Don't waste a good crisis, yeah, don't miss a good go. crisis. Yeah. For sure, if you, you don't wanna miss a good, a good crisis because it's an opportunity. Um, I think it can be scary for, for a startup, or it can be scary for any type of business. Everyone was going, whoa, what is going on right now? But if you, it's really about, I think most, so important from this conversation because we're limited on time and we're not doing a whole mm. webinar on like preparing your business, 
But I think that what's important for people to take away is a change in their viewpoint. Because your viewpoint will determine how you act. If you have the viewpoint of fear, you will act out of fear. If you have the viewpoint of, I'm in, I, I'm in control, yeah, then you will act that way. So I think the most important thing to take away from today is the viewpoint that something can be done about it. You can, no matter the circumstance, you feel like, whoa, I don't know what to do, something can be done about it. You can make it an opportunity. You can thrive, not just survive, thrive through a crisis. And even with the coming economic situations or disasters that are coming, you can, something can be done about it. Yeah. You need to just know that. And I mean, yeah. that, that speaks to a lot about um, another challenge that often doesn't get talked about for startups, and that's timing. Mm -hmm. You can have the best idea in the world, you can have a ton of funding behind you, and you try to execute on it, and the timing is just not right. Mm -hmm. um, it makes me think of um, the likes of Airbnb. Yeah. When they started up, it was also during a, a financial crisis. And the reason that, or part of the reason they were successful is because they were trying to sell an idea. If, if 15 years ago you had to say to someone, hey, open up a room in your house, mm -hmm. and we'll pay you, you'd be like, no, no thanks, I'm okay yeah. not having a stranger in my house. Right. And yet, with, with a bit of a financial stress, people were like, oh, I could do with the extra cash. Okay, I'm gonna get over this hurdle. Yeah. And, and that ultimately comes down to timing. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you probably can't anticipate when timing is right, but you can certainly become aware of when the timing is not right. Yes, yeah, I agree fully. It's so, so important to see, I think, you know, one of the points we were even speaking a little bit about earlier is is the problem that you're solving wanted? Is there the problem, or, you know? Is there, there a need, a real is need? Is there a need? The, is there a nail that needs to be hammered? Yeah. Uh, because sometimes people just have the hammer and hope that there's a nail, but there's no nail. Yeah. You need to find the nail. So it's similar to timing. You might bring something out and nobody yeah. is interested. Way too early for the early adopters. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can, you can still, there, is a way to generate want and to make and to educate and which is just a much longer process. It's a longer road. Yeah. It's a longer road but yeah. Airbnb for example did that or even Uber. Mm -hmm. They went to the whole thing of, you know, I remember I was actually a good friend with one of the people that established Uber here in South Africa and uh, I remember when she first told me, uh, you know, she was in charge of the entire African uh, continent establishing Uber, okay? And I remember when she first got here and told me about Uber that was going on in the US. She's an American and she came here and she was working on Uber. And I was like, what? Like you order a cab from your phone and, and some, some random, random driver. Some random driver. <laughs> and she was like, no, no, it's working in the US right now. And she was like, we're gonna bring it to Cape Town. And I was like, wow, okay, like interested to see it. <laughs> Let's see how it, I mean, hoping for the best, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And uh, within a couple of months later, it was established here. She was, they were here, it was going, I was using it. So they had the long road of explaining it, educating, showing, creating want in me for the product. So you can, but you have to, it's easier when you know that it's a, a need at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And yeah. then I think the timing is even more critical because you land on the other side of the scale where someone else has got into market first and there's competitors and the margins are down and then you're like, oh, a little bit late. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. so I mean, yeah, timing critical. Um, the other thing, maybe 
one of the things that people think about most when they, when they think about startup is how do I raise capital? I've got this great idea. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have every uh, hope that it's going to work out, etc. What, what are the first steps that I need to go through about raising capital? Yeah. Um, the first thing in my eyes, first of all, before you even try to raise capital, make money with what you have. Most companies uh, that start up and most people have this false idea that you need to have something before you can do. You don't need to have anything before you can do. Just do. You don't need anything else. Just do it. Like, okay, Nike, just do it. I'm not trying to go there. You just came to You're me. You're going to get a suit, man. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, but really, the idea is just, just do what you can do with what you have. You don't need to have anything else than what you have. Basic proof of concept. Yeah, basically anything. If you're, if also when you hire someone, so many I've hired people and they talk, oh, but I can't do this because my computer is old. Man, just do what you can with your, just yeah. do it. Just instead of the time you're spending wasting thinking about how your computer is old, you can just do do it using your old computer. You have to just do with whatever it is that you currently have. And if you're a business, you don't need money to produce, just start bringing income, day one. Produce, produce, produce. First of all, bring income. Then you can start looking for funding. And of course, that again, communication out, start going, asking, talking, friends, you know, there was, you can talk a little bit about your different ideas of how you can get income as well, or funding of any kind, but at the beginning, just produce. You don't need a big investor behind you to produce. Just start. Yeah. No, I think you've, you've actually you've taken it one step back from where my head was even um, starting. You know, mm -hmm. for me, when when I thought of a startup and wanted to uh, invest, the, the amount of capital given what I wanted to do was quite high, mm -hmm. um, and the means to do it was wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So then you have to look at, if it's not a service, or if it's not a product that's within your means to produce and get it out there, mm -hmm. you would then take the next step, which is to look at capital um, acquisition. And for me, the, the first step is, if you can't prove it to your family or friends, you're, gonna know, you're not gonna sell it to anyone. Right. So, and that's where maybe the real commitment is, is are you prepared to take friends from your, uh, money from your friends or family yeah. um, and risk their, uh, their wealth Mm -hmm. with an idea you have. Right. Um, and I think as, as you look at funding in a business, it sort of scales um, in proportion to, to the business itself. Mm -hmm. When you're really small, you look at the small opportunities. You're not going to go walk into a big investment bank or a venture capital company and say, hey, here's my big idea. If you, yeah. if you do and you succeed, please tell me how. Yeah. Um, but you're going to start out small. And that'll, that'll ultimately get you to what you were saying, which is make it happen, generate that first bit of revenue prove that it works and there is very very um, few evidence that you can come up with that will support revenue generation without actually generating that revenue. You can tell yeah. a fantastic story mm -hmm. but there's nothing better than, than saying hey here's here's what I've been able to do thus far. Yeah, I, have I put in the hours, have I so far show me that you've done something with what you had mm -hmm. and by the way you'll be surprised a lot of businesses that think they need investors don't by the way. A lot of times, you I, there are certain businesses that I understand require investment to grow, but I would say, I don't know, off the cuff, 60% of people that think they need investment actually don't. 
Uh, if you look at, as an example, Sarah Blakely. I don't know if you know Sarah Blakely. She's an entrepreneur that is a billionaire. She's the founder of Spanx, which is a woman's uh, basically like undergarment fitwear brand and a shapewear brand. And um, she started with $5,000. She's still 100% owner of Spanx and she has a billion dollar business. But she said she sold fax machines, got it $5,000, which is all she needed, and figured out her way to getting into some of the biggest stores like Nordstrom, etc., without investment. Okay, people ask me all the time with the festival business. So, you know, these festivals cost a few million rand each. How did you, who invested in it to begin with? We never took on investment. Most other festival orga organizers that I know took on investment because they thought that's what they needed to throw their first festival. And when you take on investment, because you have the money, you don't have the drive to actually make enough profit. Yeah. So for us, it's we, no fear factor. Yeah, yeah, because I have money, I'm comfortable. But without, we did the, every festival, we have never taken on a cent of investment because we started small, we got enough profit, we made another bigger one, and a bigger one, and a bigger one, and whatever the product is, start small, it's okay to start small, and generate enough to grow, and you might find you don't actually need investment. Of course, some businesses have to require it, but a lot of businesses will find that they don't need it. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, uh, to that point, uh, a question around is a, is a business plan really required even if you don't need financing? Yeah. And it's a good question because yeah. you go, well, I don't need to sell this to anyone. I'm good to go. Off we go. Mm -hmm. And I would say, uh, welcome to correct me if I'm wrong here, but mm -hmm. if you're, that might last you a month, six months, a year, yeah. but eventually you're going to get to a point where you run out of creativity and flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. You need some, to your point earlier, some form of organization and planning and administration behind mm -hmm. it that keeps you on track, yeah. that keeps you in check um, when no one else is looking. You know, yeah. you may not need an investor that's over your shoulder saying, hey, how's it going? What's happening with my investment? Yeah. But you do need something to keep you on track. So I would argue that a, a business plan, um, even in its most basic form, is critical to any kind of startup. Yeah, I think it's great to be, again, the more organized you can be, the better. If that's in the form of planning, great. Uh, I never really had a formal written out business plan with my startups, never proper plan, but I also instinctively knew where I was going. It's important to know where you're going. So a plan shows you where you're going. If I had it crystal clear where I'm going, so I know I knew my route because I knew where I'm going. And so naturally the route was like, oh, that's how you get there. But at the same time, you it's a combination of coping. You cope with, oh my God, the day chaos, day, chaos. chaos putting up fires, da, 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 and getting organized. Handling, 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 getting organized. And then, if you can, and if, especially if you have other partners and you want to be on the same page, a business plan can be fantastic because you can get on the same page and know where you're going. But the planning has to be done correctly because most people plan and the plans are useless. They never even follow them. They yeah. just they, they just plan and it's a pretty cool. picture. Yeah, they 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 write something else so they yeah. feel good about themselves that they wrote something, but the plan doesn't end up getting followed because they also don't really plan correctly. You have to have a strategic plan, which is a one to two year plan, tactical planning, which is down to the months, operational planning, which is down to the weeks, and then down to your to do list, your today. What are you getting done today? That today's step forwards 
your tactical plan, uh, your operational plan, your tactical plan, your strategic plan. Because most people do tasks today that don't actually forward their they plan. They think they're making progress. Yeah, they're exactly. They're yeah. doing stuff today, but it takes them nowhere on their plan. So you have to plan all the way down to today and do steps today that get you on your plan. So if you plan correctly, beautiful. Just most people make plans that, yeah, you know. Uh, Interesting. So yes. um, another question. Uh, most practical tips for researching competitors or competitive research? For researching competitors. Interesting. I look. Espionage. Yeah. <laughs> spy. Send a spy, <laughs> and just you know, put them undercover. Russians are great at this. Uh, look, you've got the gold standard. You can go to someone and say, "I need market research on X." Yeah. But obviously, yeah. most startups don't have that um, ability to do that. Yeah. So then I, I guess this is where the hustle element comes. That's a it's an incredibly important part of being an entrepreneur and hustling mm -hmm. and finding out ways to understand the market, understand competitors, and understand opportunities. Right. Um, I can only speak for your, for, for ourselves, mm -hmm. and uh, I know that we have a strategy of visiting some of our friends mm -hmm. um, as mm -hmm. guests and just seeing what what the lay of the land is and, right. and where there are opportunities or where there are things that we could be doing better or that actually we are doing really well. So we, we get down onto the ground floor and, yeah. and try and do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, it's sometimes very simple steps. I mean, it can be a, look, uh, for me, I can talk for, for myself with the festivals as an example. It was also, we went and went to other people's festivals, saw what they were doing and kind of thought, okay, here's what we can do better. Learn from them just by going and experiencing what they have in the open market. The festival I can go attend, I can see, I can improve on it. When I started the funding business, there were companies that were around for 20 years before we ever started that do what we do. And it was as simple as really just Googling them, asking our clients that had previously used them or had heard of them, what they did, and speaking to them even. Yeah. I, I have a relationship with my I was just about to say, maybe sometimes it's not about being uh, clandestine, yeah. going undercover. It's actually about just approaching people, and, and I think often you'll be surprised yeah. by how um, accommodating they are, because mm -hmm. they ne don't necessarily see you as a threat. Yeah, they actually see you as as um, almost driving their ego. Like, this is fantastic. Someone's actually come to me and wants some advice. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I always uh, there's there's a saying, and I probably get it wrong. If you go looking for money, you'll get advice, and if you go looking for advice, you might just get some money. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being open and honest. Um, I can only speak from my experience as well. Mm -hmm. When I was getting into some craft beer and playing around, yeah, it was an awesome industry because people were so accommodating, and right. you could phone them up and go and chat, and and literally there was no such thing as a trade secret or this. Yeah. But that's not true to every industry. I know as as a juxtapose there's the wine industry and good luck finding anything out from anyone about how that works right so it really does depend on the industry yeah it, it depends for sure on the industry I think most of the time what you said just communicate with them if you want but more so just research them online you don't need to do anything too fancy you'll get the idea go on their website I mean I, I looked around so much at what the other people do where I knew them well and then I also in the same time as always how can I do it a little bit better, a little bit better? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, uh, we didn't finish up on funding. Obviously, you want to yeah. prove your idea. You want to work as hard as you can with the means that you have. Then mm -hmm. you move on to friends, family, and fools. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> there's, uh, then you can go sort of, one of the things that I found very interesting is that um, maybe a couple of years ago, getting funding as a startup was, was the biggest challenge. But mm -hmm. actually, today, we sit with an environment where you have companies who are purely dedicated to investing in uh, startups and great ideas, right. uh, the venture capital groups, um, the angel investors. And then yeah. you also have, uh, if you wanted to go an alternative route, you have crowdfunding. Um, it has its pros and cons, of course, but that's another mechanism by which to do that. And then if you are truly, uh, you, you're probably outside of the realms of a startup, but you go to normal institutional lenders. Once your business is established and you need, you know, a, a, a startup funder is not exactly going to give you cash to go and uh, have his working capital and pay yourself as a big salary. They want to see that going into growth yeah. um, because that's what they're investing in. Um, but ultimately, your business reaches a scale where you do need a significant amount of working capital, potentially. Mm -hmm. And that's where you would then look to an institutional investor, go to a bank, look at your overdrafts, look at your loans. Mm -hmm. And by then, you hopefully you've built up not only a track record, but maybe you have assets behind um, that can support that. Right. So those are all funding mechanisms um, in my mind. The other important thing that uh, maybe people can use as a strategy when they're looking for funding is that not everyone with money is going to be a funder. Mm -hmm. um, it's a partnership. Uh, yeah. Very few people are going to blindly give you a, a blank check and let you go and do what you want to. Right. And if that's not the case, you need to have a relationship with that person. Yeah. And you need to have a pretty close working relationship. You need to know that you have the same ideas um, and end goal uh, in the end. Otherwise, what you're going to land up with is a big hiccup somewhere along that business where the guy's like, oh, actually, you're taking a different direction. Mm -hmm. I'm out. And you've got a gap to fill. Yeah, totally. No, and that conversation, to have that conversation the beginning, that you guys are aligned and to have it all, I think one of the most important things when you do take on funding, which usually the funder will insist on, but have a proper agreement in place. Understand who does what, what the roles are, what their, what their limitations are, what your rights are, because they're coming into your business now and you need to understand who does what and agree on it up front. Don't just, oh, I got money and you're happy in the euphoria of money, but yet you're, you haven't discussed, okay, so what does this mean for my business? Because the business is what you want to have come Yeah, the investor's saying I want dividends and you're saying, but I, I've got some growth I need to fund. Exactly, you know? exactly. And important, don't take the money unless it's going to growth. The money should go for growth, it's not to it's not just to live a more lavish lifestyle. You don't take that's the money. That's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, 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 that's a Ponzi scheme, exactly. But uh, yeah, that covers that very well, actually. Cool. We have a question here. What makes a successful marketing strategy? No, that's all you. Me again? Okay. <laughs> uh, successful marketing strategy. I think that the most important thing with um, marketing, first of all, is to understand the purpose of what marketing is. And marketing's purpose is to create or intensify want, somebody wanting you, creating that want or intensifying it, and ultimately selling something. People say, oh, my marketing is to create awareness or to create exposure, or my marketing is just to put my name out there. If your marketing just puts your name out there, your marketing sucks. It really, that's not your, it's throwing just, money away. you're throwing money away, it's not good marketing. If your marketing sells something, it's good marketing. So you have to have the purpose of 
in your marketing to sell. That's the first thing our strategy is aligned on. Number one, how do I sell? Num then with that in mind, good, I'm gonna communicate out, communicate out, again, back to communication out, and there's a few different ways you can do it. You can go on Facebook, you can go, you know, all the million different social media options. You can do Google ads, you can do whatever. Start with just one. Pick one that fits your particular area and you can, if you want, just speak to me and I can give you, depending on this business, what it is, I can direct what I think. But you have one that you focus on. Build that one, get one working, just one. Now people try, or we're gonna do Facebook and we're starting an Instagram and we're investing in YouTube and, and then it, they don't know, nothing happens. One, get Facebook ads and Facebook, get it nice and establishing and doing something. Once that's running, then say, okay, great, let's expand into, now we're gonna do Google Ads. Invest in Google Ads, grow Google Ads, and make that proper. Then you do the next one, and then they can start working together. But don't shotgun, because you'll shotgun into nothing and you won't have anything. Uh, there's a lot, we can do a whole thing on marketing, a whole talk on marketing. Yeah. But like any relationship, when you start up a relationship with uh, a marketing company, mm -hmm. if it's not your skill set, um, what you're looking for is someone who's bringing a skill set to the table that you don't have. And uh, I think one of the fundamentals that I found very fascinating about marketing, because I sit in my little finance bubble, mm -hmm. and you slowly, as you start to see all the elements of business, start to appreciate what those elements bring to the table. Yeah. And one of the very basic ones that I found incredibly fascinating is that marketing is not just about selling, because you can sit there and say, this is my pro uh, product, mm -hmm. it's uh, beautiful, it's pretty, it's shiny, but a person is then going to make a logical decision. So a good marketing company to me is one that, that can tell a story and can appeal to a person's emotions and go, well, this is why I really need this product. I feel like it would be beneficial to me. Yeah. Those are the things I find that are quite interesting. Yeah, they create a want. Yeah. How they create the want, it can be in many different ways. It can be a story, it can just be a sexy ad. Like mm -hmm. Apple, you know, they have very sexy ads these days. At the beginning, it was more of a think different was what changed yeah. it. They had the think different campaign, so that was, but it created want, but it sells something. If your marketing is really, really good, by the way, marketing and sales and PR are three different things. There's marketing is a different thing and different behavior to PR. And marketing is a different thing and a different behavior than sales. But if you market well, you don't need salespeople other than just to upsell. Apple has such good marketing that you walk into the store, yeah. like, you here's my money. Yeah, the only reason you need a salesman is to upsell. Explain it. Explain, yeah, explain it. a little bit maybe and say you want the AirPods yeah. too. Yeah. But other than that, that you're sold because yeah. the marketing was so good. So they create want and their marketing sells you. There, so just creating that feeling, that, that emotion that you're talking about is that want. And when you have the want, you'll go and buy. So that's very, very important to have that come about. Uh, on top of that, you need to know how to do sales and how to do PR. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure, we've had, uh, this has gone on way longer than I yeah. thought it would ever, actually. Yeah, wow. Um, wow, I didn't even feel that. <laughs> I did not feel I'm impressed. That. Yeah. You really can talk. I can. I told him before. I was like, listen. <laughs> If you press play, I'll go. <laughs> Just go, 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 yeah, go, go. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything, I, I mean, we, we've previously spoken about so much that we probably right. haven't covered. Is there right. anything that you wanted to close on? 
um, that you, you think is a fundamental if we don't have any other questions to answer? Um, I just think that, again, the most important point of view for anyone working in a startup, running a startup, is we got to keep the group upbeat, always with the point of view that something can be done about it. You have to know whatever goes on, something can be done about it. And most importantly, to remain in very good communication internally. Your enemy is enemy, I say, your opponent is outside your group, not inside your group. And a lot of times people get that confused and they start seeing problems inside. Don't get the opponents confused. Your opponent, assuming the group dynamic is correct and you're in good communication and everyone's upbeat and everyone knows something can be done about it, your focus is on outside the group, not fighting inside the group. Yeah. You want a team you can go to war with? Correct, yeah. 100%. So that's, that's, that's very well, I mean, uh, maybe uh, uh, I can carry on talking as well. But um, pleasure, I, mean. <laughs> I think uh, one thing that the, the current uh, past year has, has taught us and the adversity it's put us through is it, it truly, even existing established businesses, it makes you think differently. You have mm -hmm. to shift and pivot. You have to look at who you're surrounded by. Are these people in it to win it? Are we just, uh, you know, going around a long song and dance to ultimately end at the same point? And, and maybe it speaks to a bit of your hiring, firing that you were speaking earlier. Yeah. Maybe we can chat about that for five minutes. Sure. I think that's very important when you hire, right away, day one, the person needs to bring a result. Some result, day one, they need to be bringing something, okay? It's not going to be perfect, but you see they did something, they brought a result, they were good. Enthusiastic. Yeah, enthusiastic, but really result. Something that, wow, okay, they delivered. Even if it's small, you see, even if they ended up doing the dishes in the company kitchen just to help out, and while they which were Which you don't need to do here. Which, which you don't need to do here, by the way. That's, that's why you shouldn't be at Q. Uh, you don't need to do it here. But let's say you, it was something. They yeah. brought some result. They made something happen. You see that they're contributing to the team day one. Within the first few days, you need to know, you'll know if that person that you hired is there to stay or not. You, don't, the minute you see that there's anything else than being upbeat. Complacency any complacency, any poisoning. You can also, you can bring someone in that just poisons the group. Anytime you see that, you need to get rid of them quickly. And it's very important because the group dynamic is so, so, so important. So you, when you hire, you want people that are upbeat, that share the common purpose of your group, and that are bringing results right away. And uh, if they don't bring results, then really do not waste your time with them. People have seen that with uh, COVID, they became better all of a sudden by necessity. They had to cut out who yeah. they didn't need. Yeah. But had they been more on top of it before, which is why we're talking about it now, you need to not have people on your team that aren't bringing results. Yeah. Don't carry the dead weight. Just they're, they, You can theoretically change them. Don't bother, put your attention on, put your efforts on growing the performers, the one that are actually bringing results. And uh, again, we could have an hour about hiring and firing and how to tell if somebody's good. I think we're probably going to have to have a follow-up We'll do more, we'll do more. Startups. We can There's do a lot. lot to be discussed. There's a lot to be discussed. Awesome. But that's just a general few kind of ideas to think with with your team is how do you kind of make sure that the person 
produces. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate yeah. your time, your willingness to participate. I love this. It's been fantastic. Yeah. You've taken a lot of weight off my shoulders. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. It was a great dialogue. I love your viewpoints and uh, just the, everything that you brought to discuss. And I love that we still have more. We, we were yeah. saying 40 minutes. Can we get through yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have plenty to talk uh, about. Cool. Thanks to your preparation. Yeah, and thanks everyone who, who tuned in to watch. Yeah, and um, the questions. I appreciate all the questions. Yeah. And yeah. again, if you want to reach out, I. I Encourage everyone, um, you know, Cube member or not. Um, it's easy enough if you are within Cube Workspace as a member just to, um, I wouldn't extend the hand of friendship just right now, but uh, wave and smile and chat and have a look at the, the client boards to see who's there and who's available, who you can um, ask questions to, ask for advice, um, support uh, each other from a business perspective. Yeah, we're working hard to make that not just uh, a localized workspace uh, environment, but something that we can implement nationally. And and I think at the moment we've got uh, over three hundred clients. That's a big network, um, mm. which is incredibly important not only to startups but existing businesses. So uh, encourage everyone to get involved, and we'll continue to do our piece, our, our part. You know, as soon mm. as we can get events up and running, we're going to be doing that. Um, and until such time, we're going to have hopefully some interesting topics of discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. There's great people around the office and it's great to chat to them and meet them and to work with you guys is fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, okay. Thank you. Cheers, man. Thanks so much.